Carl here from Games, Brains, the Head Banging Life, and ahead of the brand new album Curse of Autumn being released on March 5th, 2021. I had the pleasure of sitting down and chatting with Joseph of Witherfall. Joseph is the vocalist and keyboard player, as well as one of the main songwriters. Curse of Autumn is Witherfall at their best. There's a strong argument here that this is the crowning glory of the band. And in this interview, we cover a lot of details surrounding it, stories about how it was made, the processes involved, even deep delving into the color red and the themes behind that, as well as a lot, lot more. It is a very conversational style interview. So we hope you enjoy, sit back and give it a listen. First things first, Joseph, cheers for joining me here. And I want to check up on you. How you been holding up the last 12 months of what is the COVID times? How you been holding up throughout it? Uh, you know, I'm a workaholic, so I'm just, I'm here every morning after the gym in my office slash studio, writing, recording, doing all this business admin for, you know, various parts of my business. Mm. so i've been doing okay yeah you know i don't i don't go out party that much i mean it's enough when you're on tour <laughs> which well yeah i mean i guess i kind of miss that <laughs> so, about- uh, yeah I, other than being sick uh earlier on um when this whole thing started i've been doing pretty good yeah what about the band as a whole like how much of a negative effect has it had on you guys as a unit like has it separated you more no i mean jake and i get together and write every time we every every chance we can um actually i just came back from florida he's down there hiding out oh he's gonna need that vaccine (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's really bad it's really bad i walked into uh a supplement shop like a gnc and uh the guy at the counter is not wearing a mask like there's signs on some of the doors like no masks allowed oh yeah like crazy yeah like no masks allowed like some of the restaurants out there none of the staff wears masks and they won't let you come in if you have one wow so you wonder why the u.s is having such a problem yeah i mean even anyway um yeah yeah here in england we're not exactly flying by uh flying by brilliantly either i'm sure you've uh, seen um <laughs> I, you know i wish i was in england <laughs> um five hundred thousand dead people is kind of hard to beat <laughs> yeah that's true that's true what about like on um, what about staying in a positive mindset then what what if anything has helped keep you kind of focused is it just working yeah, it's the working, it's the writing. Uh, I mean, Witherfall and, and myself in particular have always used like negative things that are happening around me as sort of like a vehicle for writing, uh, to making lemonade, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's all, I mean, that, that's what you're supposed to do. I mean, that I think that's what defines an artist, really. I mean, there's like a serious artist and like there's like a pop culture artist you know where you're just kind of a vehicle for the party right okay like for, 
like you know like justin bieber is not making any statements with his songs <laughs> he's not even writing them but like it's just like they're like the dj you know yeah like just there to yes. facilitate young people having fun which yeah, I mean, there's yeah. nothing wrong with that there's always been that kind of music yeah, there always will be. That's that's what charts. That's what's uh, going to be in the popular popular places, basically. But talking about yeah, yeah. with with a fall in general, then so obviously as time of recording, we're just over a week away from the release of Curse of Autumn. Is the excitement still there for you, or is it kind of desperation just to get it out now? <laughs> no, um, I'm. I want people to hear it. I mean, yeah. that's part of the. The fun is when when you share it and you see like what if people get it you know like that's the fun part mm. is is seeing like if people pick up the little things that are in there the nuances and you know like you hope that some people uh listen to the whole thing from front to back and like really get what we're what we're doing you know i mean i have no problem with the spotify thing but uh it does screw up some of the compositional aspects of what we're doing because the whole thing is composed front to back. It's not, it's not uh, just interspersed songs. Yeah, of course. I mean, if you're trying to tell a story, not necessarily a concept album or anything like that, but if you're trying to tell a story across 10 or 11 tracks and you're just picking the singles out, Mm -hmm. it's going to be lost really, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, a lot of our concepts are, pretty nebulous and uh like the same way that that like you have a dream and there's there's a flow to it but you know your brain just grabs things and and arranges them you know it's not like you're you're the the person experiencing it is the central character Mm. it's not like our concept records don't have like you know, an elf that's walking through the woods that you're following around, like you listening are the central character and we're taking you through the emotions that we felt and, and kind of, it's almost like our concepts are like virtual reality glasses. So like whoever has them on is experiencing it. Okay. And do you, you enjoy then that people, the people that do break it apart, so to speak, you, you touched upon listening and reading and hearing that people are, deeply deeper analyzing the music that's something you enjoy then yeah yeah definitely um and i mean a a lot of the stuff is personal too so Mm. like you wait for the people that this is about like to to catch on and get it (laughs) sometimes (laughs) (laughs) oh wow um i mean for better or worse What about if, um, say, you you know, you, specific song, specific event, and fans are, are taking their own, their own ideas from it? Which do you prefer? Do you want them to get the message that you're trying to relay or just enjoy it how they want to? I mean, I don't think there would be a Judas Priest if fans weren't allowed to take the fucking songs. <laughs> their own way than the intended (laughs) uh, background (laughs) no I mean art like I said art is experienced it's not it's you know it's it's not like 
it's it's not like going to McDonald's and and you order it and like they're like here it is like mm. you know art is art's like you build your own so and what about the the yeah, new I mean, there's no sorry go on like the, a painter they, the art galleries don't have like a button you push that tells you well like, god i hope they don't in the <laughs> like that it, it pushes it it tells you exactly what what this is about and what's going on like i mean i don't know that we don't go into too much detail for that reason i think it's i think it's better for the listener to imagine while they're listening yeah yeah i'm sure you've had it in uh, your music listening life where you've heard a song thought of it in some way and then eventually found out it actually means this and you've been completely wrong yeah for sure i mean i'm a big guns and roses fan so you listen to like use your illusions too and uh i don't even want to know what the hell's going on in axel's mind and some of that stuff <laughs> quite happy just listening to the pretty melodies <laughs> no that's cool that's cool so when it came to curse of autumn was there a specific was there a singular goal that you guys wanted to reach or in in regards to how you wanted it to sound beyond obviously you wanted to keep it very witherful yeah um we we definitely knew this record needed to be uh i don't want to say like drier but uh a, it's a lot less ambient than uh prelude mm. you know uh, a lot more hard hitting and like where you can really feel the transients i mean prelude to sorrow is like you're in a swamp you know the mix the arrangements the songs like you were like trapped in there and you can't get out this one really uh really has some speed to it you know like it doesn't sit in in one place it's not as doomy uh, so we really wanted to match that with the production like you don't hear quite as many keyboards on it for that reason this was more of a like a high velocity record and and not just not just because some of the songs are faster, but uh, we didn't want to like weigh it down with, with with so much ambience, in certain spots. I mean, it's of course, we can go through like twelve different genres in one song. Yeah. And so there's yeah. gonna be you know there's gonna be some of that like mud and gloom. <laughs> well, of course. I mean, you obviously have some epics on it as well, and obviously it's very larger than life. You talk about dark melodies, you talk about a heavy metal headbanging side of it. That balance that you've talked about, the different genres you've included and so on. How how difficult is it for you as a unit to get that balance right, though, where it is with a fall, but it's also your progression? Well, I mean, Jake and I are, are the songwriters mm. and uh, we don't really think about it, honestly. Like yeah. we we do the old school thing where. You know, we have ideas. uh when we go to write, we just bring to each other and just listen, play. Like I'll play something on a piano or a guitar, or, you know, I'll, ha I'll hum it or I'll write it down, whatever. And then Jake has his ideas and, and then whatever clicks, we just start working on. It's very like Lennon McCartney, like in the room, let's get the like actual reaction and vibe and how it feels, you know, like performing it for each other. Um, even if it's just like really crappy humming or like, yeah. you know, a sloppy like guitar representation of a riff. And then we, you know, we get it down on paper or in Pro Tools and 
we don't we don't we don't really have any intention while we're writing we're just trying to write songs and then once a few songs start to manifest then it becomes really obvious like what the shape of the record's going to be and and at that point we start contacting Christian Walling and saying hey like here's here's a couple of demos here's the mood of the record mm. and we're thinking this color scheme you know like what do you think and then he, he'll send us a sketch and by the time we get the sketch we have more of an idea of what the concept is and then he goes in with the sketch and then does the color that he sees like we knew this was going to be a red album yeah but then in the yeah. in the middle we had like the river and tempest which kind of brought in another hue and and that's how that burnt sienna color came came in so yeah i mean like we we don't write as as like a band like we don't do like the whole rehearsal room thing like everything is composed by jake and i and then those guys generally don't hear anything until we book the studio time and we we give them like two weeks like to listen and and bring their their ideas uh but i mean we pretty much know what we want especially like i'm really involved in like where the feel is on on the drums i mean i never go in and just tell anyone what to play but i know where i want the snare drum like, mm. whether it's on the backbeat or like if a kick drum is going to push on a certain thing like it's written into the composition uh you know like i play percussion on some of it but you know when we work with a, a percussionist like i'm there directing it the whole way like everything is really uh is really orchestrated we know what we want yeah reading you do some general reading about you and the word fluid you've talked about fluid in interviews in the past and stuff like that in regards to your writing style and i think that's fascinating you basically never really stop right no we don't stop at all um it's weird too because we had the song the other side of fear at least the beginnings of it like we had the chorus and the main riff that happens after the chorus and kind of the the verse basically ready to go like in the stages where we knew what the song was going to do but we just never finished it like it, we wrote it right around right after nocturnes and we were thinking it was going to be on prelude to sorrow but then the album ended up being about Adam and we're like, this isn't about Adam. So we'd never even worked on it after that. We just kind of like left it as a file on the thing and we never finished it. And then uh, when the, the angry Levain type theme started to happen with this record, we're like, other side of fear, definitely we'll, we'll finish it and it'll be on this record. But yeah, we, uh, I mean, yeah, we don't, we don't stop even, even when we think we're done with a record, the river was was very late in the game on this. It just happened like Jake sent me like a little phone recording of yeah. an acoustic guitar after his, his tour with Demons and Wizards. I I heard the melody immediately. I and I took it into Pro Tools and I edited it so it fit the melody I heard in my head. Mm. And then you know we went from there same thing with uh the song from nocturnes the great awakening wasn't going to be on that record but like a week before we went into the studio 
uh, Jake showed up at my house like after a show I was playing with another band at like two in the morning and he showed me the idea and then I like, wrote the melody on the spot and so that we ended up recording that song the next week in the studio incredible yeah we don't start we just wrote la i just like i said i got back from florida and i have 11 new uh caterpillars sitting in yeah the, in, the, in the yeah i mean it, I, we, we work fast so you obviously you know the pair of you are encouraging each other clearly to keep but who's there to tell you to stop so to speak and maybe that song's done or maybe that's in place are you both doing that as well yeah i mean the song is done when it's perfect or yeah. at least the arrangement's perfect you never know yeah. what's going to happen in the when you go to perform it you know like that can't be controlled um but it just it, it tells you i think right i mean like 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 speaking of christian walling he can take a month to do one of his oil paintings or like it could be three, four months. Like for this, for this record, like he sent us a, a, like a cell phone capture of it. And I thought it was done. I was like, this thing's done. That looks great. Yeah. And he's like, no. And then he took like two more months. <laughs> and, and when I looked at the, 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 like the little screen grab and then the final thing, and I noticed all the little things that he had put in there at the last minute that like really made it like more moody. And so he knew it wasn't done. And, you know, we kind of work the same way. Like when it's done, it's done. You know, you'll just know, like, like the river looks like it's really simple, but I mean, in that acoustic guitar part, there are meter changes every couple of bars. Like it's just not sitting in four, four. You know, like in the the chorus vocal melody is like a three over four pattern. It makes no sense when you think about it, like mm. when you look at it on paper, but then you hear it and you're like, oh, like even in the studio when Marco was doing the drums, he kept playing on the, on the heavy part. He kept playing to Jake's guitar without really thinking like, you know, like I don't think we even had in his headphones the vocal. So I had to go in the control room and there's a piano and i'm like no listen to the melody like here stick that right and then play the melody and he you know i mean he's a fucking great musician he knew immediately what was going on and then i get i i leave the 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 live room and he does it in the next take or two you know it's very complex even though it sounds like you know like if you're like a beginning guitar player you're like i can play this this is easy like but to write it it just you know it makes no sense at all on paper like <laughs> absolutely no sense is that the uh i don't want to say proudest because do all your proudest moments but that particular track the river considering it's incredibly incredibly personal nature of that track is that the one perhaps you're most uh i don't know nervous about fan reaction wise or excited oh i'm i I'm excited. It seems to be getting a pretty good reaction. Yeah. It was actually nerve wracking going into the production with uh, John because he didn't like the verse melody, the clean part. Right. He thought it could be developed more. And I, you know, I had to like fight, <laughs> you know, like, 
and it's John Schaefer, you know, who's definitely has, uh, he has work to back him up, like his opinion. And, but I knew like, no, it has to be like this, this conveys the mood of it exactly how I want it. And, mm. But uh, yeah, the, the, the nerve wracking part is, am I going to do it like justice? Is it, is it going to come across, you know, the weight is, is it going to have the weight that I'm intending on yeah. it? You know, and I mean, that honestly, that's where John really shined was, you know, once he knew that I wasn't going to like change it, then he was just like, I think Jake said in an earlier uh, interview that we hired John to be like the drill sergeant that won't let you like, you know, get a pass. Like, no, no, it's, it's not there. No. You know, and he's, the way we recorded, we were all four of us, Jim, John, Jake, and I in the room, like whether it was guitars or vocals. So I'm like there and John's like staring at me in the face as I'm singing. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, you know, you're watching like whether you're getting the emotional response you want, uh, you're getting direct feedback. I think yeah. it's a really good way to work. Oh, it works for you, then brilliant. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, maybe some guys like need need to not have outside stimuli, but I, I actually like recording with an audience there, you know. The end, continuing to talk about specific tracks, the end part of the album, I feel is gonna cause a little bit of chaos amongst fans. Because first we've got the 15 plus minute epic. That is, they all blew away. And then you follow that up with an acoustic version of Boston's Long Time. Now let's talk yeah. about the former first. Would you describe that as your most elaborate and lavish effort? Because goodness me, when you talked about stuffing a track full of things, this certainly might be the one, right? Yeah, I mean, if, if we had to score that out, it would look, it would look the most scribbly for sure. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's just meter changes and tempo changes like left and right. It's, it's pretty crazy. I mean, a lot of, a lot of that stuff you hear like is, is like me and Jake, like at four in the morning and he's like playing something and I'm like, what is that? I'm tap tapping on that. I'm like, oh no, you, okay. It's, oh, it's nine, eight. Like there's an extra eighth note. And then programming in like the click track just so we can get it down make sure it actually is in nine eight <laughs> and then like moving on like that and i mean it's 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 a lot of work um, mm. to make it right um but we don't yeah i mean i don't think it would be possible like the way like modern metal is written like it's all they go in and print the grid or maybe like have like the fake drums on there and then play the riff to that like we can never do that like because things like all blew away would never happen like you can never pre-plan in the writing like okay like we're going to drop the tempo 23 bpm and now we're going to have a 7 8 section like here but for one measure and then bring the tempo back up like you couldn't do that and you couldn't play to it either like you, you have to like just go from your brain to like some way of transcribing it and then keep working um but yeah that took it took quite a while as far as doing that type of work like the conceptually that's quick that's flowing and just like oh yeah okay like here's that 
Rob Zombie type feel with the the drums on the ends, like you know, like falsetto ooze over it. That stuff's easy because we're just like kind of like free flow, like you know, what do you call that? Uh, when you have like a I forgot they used to talk about it in school. I don't remember, but <laughs> it's like where you just you just think words and you write them down. Mm. Uh, it's like I forgot what that's called. Um, yeah, it could ring a bell to me. But yeah, the weird thing about that is like we we actually wrote the version of Long Time on a break from writing uh, the second half of All Blue Away. Yeah. So like all the way is probably written uh like over the course of four or six days like we 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 start writing around 5 p.m take a break around 9 or 10 for dinner and then continue to like 6 a.m and so like when you're when you're working on something that is that long and you you kind of if you if you keep going you'll lose you know like emotionally where it's supposed to be because yeah. it's just it's such a like i mean it's it spans like four songs like worth of time so like you take a lot of breaks we ended up like sitting in the living room away from the studio and then we do this all the time so like our breaks actually include other instruments just fucking sitting there drinking wine and <laughs> you know, just playing a guitar and i have like a a little uh piano on my phone that i'll just pull out just just you know when there's nothing else and i was like singing this melody and we had we thought we were going to do the full version of the song mm. like but like metal kind of like kind of like uh who did that version of holy diver oh kill switch engage but they did it in like yeah so they did it in like a heavier way yeah you know and that's we kind of were going that direction with it and then we were like it's too happy it's too bouncy you know doom 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 like no so we scrapped it and we were we were working on this springsteen song uh. we were working on a queen song and then we we're like let's go i started humming this melody you know and then it's really sad like if you just listen to the melody and the lyrics the lyrics especially like wow what if we changed what if we like went to the enharmonic minor chord so instead of that major chord that sits there statically over the melody what if we created a chord progression like the the minor chord for that key and started singing the melody and it got really deep Mm -hmm. And I actually grew up in upstate New York and I knew Tom Schultz. He used to come to my grandfather's lawnmower shop. And uh, when I finally was getting into music and, and getting guitars and stuff, he had a, he had his own guitar shop with Joe Bonamassa's dad, like right around the corner from our house. And he used to sell me like really cheap, like good deals on, you know, not like really expensive guitars. I didn't have that much money, but mm. stuff that he played, like some old Epiphone acoustics and oh, cool. things like that. Yeah, well, <laughs> I had run into him, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago or so. Uh, and uh, I saw him, I was back in my hometown, like, what's going on with the band? And I hadn't heard that Brad Delt had killed himself. 
I didn't know. So it, it got kind of really weird and quiet and, you know, he's like, Oh, you didn't hear. And I'm like, what, hear what, mm. <laughs> you know? So it kind of took on a new meaning that song when we started working on it. I'm like this song, if you look at it from like, you know, Brad Delp's point of view, like as he's like putting the fucking hose on his tailpipe in his garage writing a note to his you know his ex-wife or whatever Hmm. like this is a really sad depressing like suicide note that's what this song really is like and then we took it from there there's a full version of it too we uh we did the actual full version but it dips down into that acoustic yeah and then comes back up with a big like rock outro type thing that's like a bonus track that'll come out after the record's out but for the record it didn't fit our record like it fits our record as like the quiet after the storm you know like here's the here's like the 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 breeze after everything's over with that will lead you into the next record but we did actually record the entire okay and arrange it yeah 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 kind of we knew it went yeah uh, in the in a written review that comes out in a few days for me it was like the the rub down after a workout you know you got a 15 plus minute workout that's really beforehand (laughs) and then you just needed that calming let your muscles relax finale yeah i mean we do that a lot like with that blog on the last record it's like because we we carry these themes you know throughout our our discography and it just needs it can't end there there's no way it could end the way i'll do away it needed to it it needed a a prolonged breath (laughs) absolutely um so you know you guys obviously really enjoy what you're doing there but there's an aspect of being in any band these days that seems to cause a bit of dispute between what you enjoy and what you don't. And I want to see from your perspective, social media, the demand from a fan base and everyone for you guys to always be online. How do you handle that? Yeah, I don't enjoy it. I handle it. Well, I do. I do a lot of work on social media. Jake hates it. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) um, You know, the other members, have their own projects so a lot of their social media is focused on that unless there's like a specific thing going on Mm. uh you know the problem the problem with social media is that the the standard practices the best practices aren't really they're not really conducive to like art or mystique or the things i enjoy about a band like like if you look at like before social media like slash is like one of the coolest human beings ever like because you only see slash or like someone like a jimmy page or or brian may in their element like they they are gods like and you associate them with the message and the vibe of their music and that's it right now you go to brian may's instagram and you see him in his fucking pajamas and he's being all dorky and you know he's you, you know what i mean like or like slash is like 
eating a burrito in fucking Paso Robles. Like, it, it, and it's, and I get it, like, because it's that constant, like, hit, like, for social media. And, you know, that's what drives, like, the streaming paradigm is that you have to keep reminding people that you exist. Yeah. Whereas before, yeah. you just sell a $10 CD or even, a, like, a dollar download. Now, to, to make up that economic, you know, shift, you have to keep pushing the button so that mm -hmm. people keep seeing you know, like, oh, I want to listen to Queen now. Like, I just saw Brian May post something. It's, it's hard because yeah. we, you know, you never see us do like a live stream of us like singing or we won't do it. Like, mm. it degrades the art. Like, I, I just, we will not do it. Um, we try to, we try to split the difference sometimes where we try to make our stuff like either really vague or really interesting uh but it's very it's very difficult to 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 be an artist and and just and not like a product i think the pop world with all the money and I, 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 pop doesn't mean like pop music it just means what's what's selling right now yeah like, yeah you know like pop pop was led zeppelin let's just be honest um has nothing to do with the genre of music mm -hmm. Um, but the, the, the artists with m big machines behind them, I mean, they're doing better than, than metal in the art department as well, because everything they post is art. Every, you know, every time Miley Cyrus does a live stream, I mean, they have professional hair and makeup photography, like it's all, you know, great sound. Mm -hmm. And then you see like Dave Ellison. And he's like, got his cell phone and, you know, his hair is all jacked up. And I love Dave Ellison, but I think that they're really making a mistake. And that's why like metal has really taken a turn for the worse in the eyes of the general music listening public, especially the youth. Like there's no swagger or finesse or coolness at all right now because no one wants to spend any money and everyone like it's almost like it's become like punk rock you know yeah like the, the metal guys were the ones with the money and the nice clothes and the you know the photographers following them around and the punk rock guys were like you know you know i'm not going to brush my hair and my teeth or you know i'm not going to tune my guitar and now it's like it's it's totally shifted like it, I, I don't know i think that's a big problem i think that you're not going to see you're not going to see it, uh, what do you call it, like a revival of the heyday of, of heavy music until the majority of the bands out there are more cognizant of what's going on. I mean, you got certain bands like like uh, Perfect Circle. They, mm -hmm. have a, they have a great like production aesthetic. They know how to like, how to still look cool. Uh, I mean, Avenged Sevenfold has their whole marketing thing down like their image uh opeth still mm -hmm. looks cool um but i mean you can just scroll through the, <laughs> the the metal section of youtube and it's like are we all garage bands now like yeah yeah and you almost you're almost unfairly judged if you're not that like what why aren't you more active on social media 
guys, um, you know, you don't care about your fans. And it's unfair, really. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I know Jake, what he would say is he would rather spend more time writing music or, you know. Of course. It, it's, it's, it used to be about your contacts mm. and your, your record sales. But now, like, they look at your YouTube views or like, your likes, you know, all these other metrics. Yeah, and it's like, well, if we sell ten thousand records plus another thousand vinyl, that certainly makes up for the fact that the streaming numbers aren't that good. But that's just not what people are looking at nowadays. Mm. Well, it will help. It will help when you're able to get back out live. I think definitely, because you, you get that, you know multiple uh multiple exposures from different uh, outlets so like when you go through a town you know multiple places are talking about it mm. every day you get different sources so you, you do get like a huge increase in activity especially like in any of the local localities that you're at um but it's hard to see it's hard to quantify and I, it's 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 not like, you know, being on the radio and you know you're on the radio and you know your record's going to do well. Like, you don't see all this stuff in the algorithms going on that, you know, it's, it's going to help you. You just don't see it. You just kind of have to trust trust the algorithm God. <laughs> I hate that word. I hate that word, algorithm. It's the bane of modern existence. I know, right? It's dirty. It's, and, it, and it's manipulated. Mm-hmm. And changed every couple of months. The bar, the goalposts constantly yeah. move. So exactly. last but not least, you know a guy on a pretty. Sorry, go on. Oh, I was gonna... Yeah, I was gonna say I know a guy that runs a pretty big heavy metal uh, like gear channel. Oh, he's a good friend of mine. And uh, <laughs> like every time the YouTube algorithm changes, like he 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 sees his like view count go down for no reason until he like learn like figures out how to how to hack that one you know I, I don't envy anyone like that that has to constantly work around it you know be it their income or a part of their income right yeah yeah it's crazy and you got to you got to know that like wh whoever the parent company which is i think google right yeah. or, like youtube they got to have some it's got to be some insider information going to the bigger, the bigger uh, companies, record companies or entertainment companies. Yeah, I mean, like the Universal Movie Studios, when they put out a trailer, they're gonna know what that algorithm's doing, and oh, they're yeah. getting insider information. You know, like that. Say, like, like a you know, like a mid-level metal band, like Amon Amarth is not getting. <laughs> <laughs> i know exactly what you mean <laughs> but it's probably gonna get taken down if this ever goes up on youtube <laughs> it just be like a big it's, it's okay as long as we don't play any music <laughs> we're sorted no dmca that way <laughs> so right, yeah. yeah yeah last but not least then talking about live you've got a big tour in the works at the end of the year uh you're in the uk you're in ireland you're over europe with evergrey and dustin mind something that at least for us in the uk is looking 
a bit more realistic now. Now we're super stoked because you're going to be playing London, the 229, which is like one of my favorite venues where in yeah. London. How are you guys feeling about it? And I, I presume it's just a matter of fingers crossed. Yeah, I mean, I've never been to that venue, but uh, if you're telling me it's great, then I'm looking forward to it. Um, we, I, man, of course, like being out on the road and, and hearing the like feedback like directly in your face from people is is really rewarding. Um, and you know, like you said, there's no real way to grow, you know, in in this business mm. without going on tour. I mean, that the the whole thing like like the way Pantera made it, like it's still there. Like people like to think it's all about, you know, catching a viral moment on social media. That's just, that's fleeting. If you're, if you're not, if you're not out in front of people, it's, it's not going to happen. Um, as far as whether the tour is going to happen or not, I mean, I think we touched on this earlier. Like the, the United States has a massive problem with conspiracy theories and, yeah. you know, the anti-vaxxer movement and, you know, all this stuff. And I'm worried about like, are, are we going to be on like a band list? <laughs> you know, like the rest of the world, like goes, okay, like intercontinental travel in Europe is fine, like, and except for like this country or that country that has some sort of issue, like, like we do, like, are we even going to be able to get our work visas mm. to go over there? Like, especially the UK, I think we have, I don't think it's a problem going to like Germany or whatever, but you know, you need a, you need the government's approval to go and play a show in, in the United Kingdom. Yeah. Um, plus a few hundred pounds. <laughs> there is that. Um, yeah, um, but I, I think, I think it's going to be fine. Yeah. I think, that, uh, I think the only requirement may be that you have to have vaccination and I'm certainly not an anti-vaxxer and I certainly will get the damn vaccine as soon as my card comes up. Yeah. Um, I mean, I get it. Like everyone's like, Oh, it was developed so quickly. I'm like, yeah, because they, they got to bypass all the time it takes to fund. Yeah. Like that. It's not just research part and the tests. It's the funding can take years on something that scale and, and the government, you know, and not just the government, but some companies that are demonized right now, you know, funded this. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's my only concern is that, we do such a piss poor job here that, uh, and we, I think this is lost too. I don't know if I'm rambling, but people don't understand virology that if you let something get out of control, mm. like that's when you invite all these mutations because it's, it's the number of, of, of replication will dictate how many mutations. Yeah. So, here in the US, it's just, they'll let, oh, let everybody get it. Yeah, but now you've like opened the door for all these mutations. Like if you just kept it at a small percentage of the population getting it, you know, there's not that much room for variation. It's not going to happen. I mean, there's an evolutionary process going on here that I don't think is really understood or talked about in the media. Like it's not just about like 
well, it only kills old people. And like, if we just let everybody get it, we'll all be immune. It's like, no, well, the fucking thing will change faster. Yeah. So that's more to your point. Yeah. I mean, it just all depends on how, how <laughs> I don't know, man. I, it doesn't look as bleak as it used to, but uh, yeah, we'll see if, if any of these variations cause people that get the vaccine to get sick. I think that's really the wild card. It does still feel like we are in that position of let's wait and see. Your tour is the end of the year. There's plenty of time. We're only in February. So there's still plenty of time just to chill, relax, and potentially look forward to it. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Your last time you were in the UK was your acoustic tour, right? Uh, yes. Yes, yeah. of course. Yeah, that was in London. It was just one show. Yeah, that was great. I was there. <laughs> Oh, were you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Dick, Dick was absolutely hungover. <laughs> no uh, way. <laughs> yeah, like I think there was like a, it was like a, like a little breakfast shop across the street, and uh, he never gets up and has breakfast. But that day, he sure did. <laughs> you know, on the ferry, they have like alcohol. So when we were coming over, him and uh, a couple of the guys. And the guys from Sonata were just on the boat the entire night, like drinking. Like, I was, I was. You're not supposed to stay in the, in the bus, but as a singer, I'm like, no, I will not get the sleep I need if I have to get off this thing. So, I, I broke the rules and I slept on the bus. If it sank, I would have died. <laughs> this is the price I pay for my art. Yeah, no, fair, fair. <laughs> all right, Joseph, that's, uh, that's all I have for you. Thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for watching. You can check us out on gbhbell.com as well as on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. Go to Patreon to help us out over there. That's patreon.com forward slash gbhbl as well as Big Cartel where you can find some of our merchandise. We have a podcast running on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And of course, if you like this video, do us a favour, hit the subscribe button and help the channel grow. Games, horror and heavy metal, what else is life for?